Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We'd especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCards, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stustle Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Disky Mera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, and Ryan Player One. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Gamers, welcome to the podcast where we instantly invade innovative incendiary inventors instigating acquisitions. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, with Nintendo's Tiger, and as always, your host, Shane. Too fast, Dick Dragon! Based on our alliterative introduction, I feel as though we are Nicolas Cage a la Lord of War. Is that the beast? It no. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. That's Wicker that's Man. All I think about. That's a that's, that's a whole different about. thing. That's the one we has one of my favorite sequences ever with Nick Cage being Nick Cage and just running up and in a bear costume and hauling off and socking a woman directly in the face. There's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Absolutely. That's perfect. It's peak cinema. If only he took her face off. Ah, yeah. The face off. Yes. You know, I've heard that uh, Nick Cage can eat a peach for hours. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did we lose Tiger or is he just being real quiet through all that? I'm about to be gone in 60 seconds. I was thinking of a pun, oh, and that's the best I can come up with. Hey, <laughs> insert a rim shot right there, Ashton. Thank you. If anyone even remembers that movie, that's all I got. <laughs> there, there it is. I do. I remember Angelina Jolie. Mm. There's that. Which young boy does not? True. Be raiding some tombs. We're getting dirty again. <laughs> Let's not bring up Goofy. <laughs> That'd be. A, I mean, I don't know. Be... It seems like that intro went over strangely well. <laughs> It reached deep inside to some some people's inner core. And it, it really did. It spoke. It touched them differently to yeah. a heretofore untapped demographic by the show. I think. <laughs> Y'all talk about the goof troop. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We are. I'm so sad. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we are too. have you listened to the episode yet? Because you no, might I haven't. Not, but I yeah. sound like I need to. Yeah, you, you may take that back. I don't know. <laughs> At least the intro. Yeah. I, I don't know how many people made it past that. Noted. Yuck. 
<laughs> but <laughs> anyway, Tiger, welcome back to the show. It's nice to have you here again, man. Thank you. I'm happy to be back and I'm ready to talk it up. All the experiences that I've had with being invaded by space. And uh, it, it's a lot. Let me tell you, it, it goes pretty deep. Ooh, space. It's everywhere. And I'm, <laughs> we do intend to probe you for your thoughts. Ah, yes, yes. The black hole is going to open and <laughs> take that how you will. Uh, yep. This is getting goofy. <laughs> so if you don't understand, go listen to that episode. Let's get this episode kicked off properly because we have not done that. Actually, maybe we have at this point. I don't know. We are going to start off this episode as we are wont to do. By talking about the games we have been playing lately, starting off with Tiger. Oh, no. So, what do you mean, oh, no? I, I, you know what? I, I know what game you've been playing because I've been on my <laughs> Switch and I see who logs on. It tells me what people have been playing, but yeah. I will let you tell everyone else what you have been playing. Yeah, so. Um, so it's like I do this every episode. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot. We get to talk about a game. Yeah. And I feel like this will take too long. <laughs> but I have been playing... Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, shocker. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I made a post on Facebook. I don't know. It's, I guess it's been out for like a month and a half, two months, something like that. But I said, I will be in my cave. Like, so don't worry. Don't don't worry about me if you don't hear from me. And that's kind of how it has been in the last month and a half. I guess it's about a month and a half. So I'm very lost in this game. It's so lost that. I feel like I don't know. I don't know what real life is anymore. Like I, I have to wow. do my chores today. Uh, wait, that's in Zelda. In Zelda, I have chores to do. It, I, I was trying to say that it feels like I'm doing chores when I'm in the game <laughs> because it has oh, no. really like now it's part of my life now. So I have to go and find some Korok seeds. I have to go and search for, I don't want to be too spoilery, even though the game's been out a while, but I have to go search for frogs in caves. I have to go find that woman's husband. (laughs) Find your wife's husband. Went too far. Yeah, who decided to skip along the bridge or whatever, and then I lost him. Please find him for me. There's so much freaking content in this game. I I, I knew what I was getting into because, you know, I played the hell out of Breath of the Wild. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to get lost in, in, in my thoughts and, oh, what's over here? And, you know, that's what you do in this game. I didn't realize that they decided to more than double the size of the game. Holy crap. Yeah, it's because it's not just it's not just Breath of the Wild land. Now there is Sky. And also, if you did not know, sort of a spoiler, there is underground. and underground is as big is as the land i haven't even i would say uh five percent of what i've five percent of the underground is probably what i've done because i don't want to go down there because it's so freaking dark and it's (laughs) kind of scary in that moment so they have these like lights you could throw around but it's super scary you don't know what's down there and you have to like keep these lights on you until you get powerful enough where you can kind of keep things lit i won't say how but this game has taken over my life in the last month and a half. It has been a fun month and a half, and it has also been a very, um, it feels like work. <laughs> I don't know how to take this assessment. Like, yeah, on one hand, like, you're like, you're like, ah, oh, this is a, such an immersive experience. This is wow. And then on the other <laughs> hand, you're like, but also this is like getting paid minimum wage or something. Like, I don't know. 
overworked and underpaid. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so in order to fix that, and we did uh, a few days ago, I beat the game. Oh, okay. So now Woo-hoo. I have, you know, it's like I hit the end. I still have chores to do, but now I don't feel like I have to do them anymore. I don't know how that works that way, but that's that's what it has turned into. Now I, 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 I'm done with my work, like real work. And then I say, hmm, should I do my chores <laughs> or should I just chill? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I've been playing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my wife started playing it uh, while we were traveling the last couple of weeks, which I'll get into probably in a little bit here. But uh, yeah, she, she hasn't got that far into it yet. I think she's like, I've played for four hours and I haven't gotten off the tutorial. <laughs> like okay right right yeah that makes sense for sure this is not encouraging me to play this game oh if if neither of you have neither of you played it no um, i mean i, I played not, i played no. breath of the wild but i haven't played this one yet okay yeah so like you just just know that this is way more there's way more and if you you didn't want more you expected to be exactly the same like because the switch can only hold so much how could they, you know, no, it's definitely more than double in my opinion. So you got, oh no. you got your work ahead of you. Um, li- li- my, my wife, Lindsay is over 200 hours and I'm around 150 and there's still plenty to do. Good Lord. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't want this. <laughs> I, I do not want this. Well, what do, do you want. want? What do you want? Chris Copeland? What have you not been that. playing? <laughs> Oh, look at that the segue. Look Thank that you. Yeah, segue. that's my sagu. Nice. <laughs> I call Segoo. it a sagu. <laughs> sagu. Yes. I've been playing a lot of time on the Final Fantasy 16 beta, also known as East 9. And I finally beat it. I, I know that is a lot of people aren't going to understand. I said, what? Okay, East 9 is a the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I just look at the game. Like it's an action RPG joke that like five people are going to get. Actually, probably yes. I mean, even if five people get that, I'd be impressed. Okay. But uh, I, I finally beat East 9, which means I have beaten every East game currently released, and they're releasing another one before the end of the year. Mm. So the East series is done. It's done. So I started playing Dragon Quest 2 because I've been asked to do that for our, our friend over at Retro Wars with Danny. Danny asked me to play Dragon Quest 2, and I've been putting it off. So I'm trying to get through that. and. I've always not liked that one. I think that has been my least favorite Dragon Quest. And I I don't know if that's going to change. I have gotten all the party members, at least, mm. in that game. It's It sure is Dragon Quest. <laughs> I will say that. Right. Uh, and I, uh, I don't want to make it sound too bad, because I do like Dragon Quest. I know we are positive on Dragon Quest. But yeah, I, I, I don't think my opinion is going to change. But I'm, I'm willing to open my mind up to it. But this is also from the same person I've been told hates the original Breath of Fire, which I did like. And he's telling me, oh, it's better than the first one. Uh, well, we'll see. So Dragon Quest 2 is what I'm making my way through right now. It is very classic. It is very old school RPG. And I'm playing it on the Switch. And I thought that they would kind of not hold on to the ye old English way of talking because that irritates the shit out of me. Mm. But no, it's there. It's the the version that they put in the port and everyone wants to talk like they're Shakespeare and like, good for you, but I hate it. I I will see how much more of this I can tolerate, even though I plan on beating it. 
I'm really sour on Dragon Quest 2. I need to be more positive. This game is going to be great. I'm going to have a great time. There you go. Manifest yeah. positivity. Manifested. It's there. Manifested. I also hated the ye old English. I hate it. It's funny because I think at the time I didn't like it because while I was a child, I <laughs> I'm reminded of the time that I played as a child and it reminded me of reading the Bible because ah. I was well, into the King James version. <laughs> I, and I was just about to say that's that's some KJV shit right yes, there. Yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah, I was I was at a Baptist church and that was like the thing and you couldn't go, you know, f- anyway. Uh, yes, I hated it <laughs> because that's what it reminded me of. And I was like, you know, I, I, I didn't want to try to look up everything that I was reading or what the fuck is he saying? Uh, that That's kind of how I felt with Dragon Quest games. I totally understand. Yeah. Like, I can understand if it came from certain characters, but it's every character. Like, spare me, please. Yes. They did great to set the tone. It did. Lastly, I do want to say I'm playing Pac-Man Championship Edition DX for our high score challenge because I am apparently not bad at that game. I'm as the time of this recording, I'm leading the pack. Mm. So if you think you can do better than me and I'm not telling you it's going to be very difficult in order to do so. Just head on over to our Discord and play some Pac-Man Championship DX. And if you can get higher than 1.5 million, you can probably compete with me. So head on over there. If we have our standard rules. Yeah, I'm doing well. And I'm very happy about it. I'm excited. I'm excited. People have been trying to beat my score and they haven't done it yet. And I, maybe Tiger can do it. I know you're super competitive, Tiger. I do like Pac-Man. I was going to say, like, I know you're like calling me out here. Like, the- <laughs> I am calling you out. Maybe I was going to say, maybe I will, Chris. Maybe I will. Oh, get your get your ass over there. I'm waiting. <laughs> Bring it. All right, Shane, how about yourself? What have you been playing? Honestly, not much. Uh, as I sort of alluded to, we've been on the road for like the past two weeks. Uh, we, we drove up to Missouri to visit some family and we were staying up there. So I've been doing a lot of driving and uh, I was still working the usual, you know, nine to five while we were up there, uh, which, you know, gross. Is- yeah, it is. But I mean, you know, it's it's nice that I can do that. So there is that being fully remote does have its benefits. So I didn't really have a lot of time to play much just because, you know, like you're spending time with family and doing, you know, that dumb shit of like being in real life or whatever, I guess it was really relegated mostly to a little bit of time here and there on the Steam Deck with Halls of Torment, just because that's a really good one to kind of jump into for short bursts. I, I think I don't want to I don't want to say for 100 percent quite yet, but I actually think that game might be taking my spot as my favorite, like reverse bullet hell game now. Mm. I really like what they're doing with it. It's still an early access, but I just really dig the Diablo one, like isometric aesthetic and the mechanics that they've been slowly adding in has just been sort of like building on it, but in a in a good way. They're avoiding so far my biggest gripe with Vampire Survivors, which if you listen to our uh, RH Gaiden on that, if you if you are a patron or if you become a patron, you can you can hear that I talk about that. And basically, my biggest thing is just I didn't like the fact that there were so many obscure things that were kind of required to progress in Vampire Survivors. This game is just very straightforward in what it does. And the game like genre that it is, I think that that's the right call. 
But apart from that, um, I, I've really just been spending time on my mobile device. So getting in some daily action with uh, Star Rail. And I actually came across this new game called, uh, what is it? Crossword Dungeon uh, for mobile, which is actually a really cool little concept. It is a buy once and you have it sort of scenario. So no my favorite shitty in-app purchases. Yeah. And essentially what it is, is it's a, it's a crossword RPG roguelike, if that makes sense. You choose one of three character classes. I think it's like barbarian, ranger, and thief, I think. And your little character there, it's sprite based. And like your little character traverses a crossword puzzle and each letter space has an enemy that you fight. And if you can guess the letter of the word in that space, right off the bat you auto critical and you defeat the enemy if you can't guess it then you do a certain amount of damage based on your character's stats and then the enemy damages you and that sort of like this turn based back and forth until you get the letter right huh. yeah and so it's this really interesting concept and it works really well as just a little bite-sized mobile game and i kind of dig it so that's my like elevator pitch recommendation for that so if you're into that go check out crossword dungeon but honestly that's pretty much it for me right now um i'm I'm hoping to dive into some other stuff i gotta see if i can finish at least uncovering the whole map and getting the uh altars of lilith in diablo 4 on my uh on my main character here because the season one begins in like three days as a time of this recording and i have not had time to play like at all so Hoping to get that in. Awesome. I've also downloaded Halls of Torment, by the way, and I'm looking forward to putting some time into that. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I really I really like that game. I might do that this next time I stream. I probably will do some Halls of Torment. Looking forward to that. Hey, Shane. Yeah. We have to talk about a game of space invading. Oh, today. OK, because this is this is a monumentous episode. I don't think we've hyped this up enough getting to this point because, you know, <laughs> you know procedure. <laughs> sure. And, and show structure. But hey, this is a big game we're talking about today. This is the space, the space invaders. The. And I think we're going to have the most interesting part about this episode coming up right now, at least as it pertains to this game, with the brief history. So I know that you are very well learned, and this is a very historical piece of high gaming culture. So I don't think. I could think of a better person to give the brief history of Space Invaders than yourself. So, Shane, why don't you give us the brief history of the aforementioned game? As we discussed in our Atari episode, the early days of gaming were a mixed bag. While Pong took the world by storm in 1972, the fledgling industry struggled to find its footing and prove that it was more than just a fad, let alone a market with mass appeal. Game developers had a hard time getting anything that didn't resemble Pong in some way to achieve a high level of success. And Pong clones flooded the market both at home and in arcades. But in 1978, everything changed. Tomohiro Nishikado, a developer working for the Japanese gaming company Taito, had been working on a new project for over a year. Nishikado had designed his own hardware, 
using an Intel 8080 CPU along with a Texas Instruments SN76477 sound chip. The Intel 8080, along with a multi-chip barrel shifter circuit, allowed Nishikado to achieve smoother animation, something that he took direct inspiration from the 1975 Taito and Midway game, Gunfight. This new game would also take its gameplay elements from the aforementioned Gunfight, but he wanted the new concept to be a direct response to Atari's 1976 game, Breakout. This would take the thrill of destroying objects while combining it with elements of electro-mechanical target-shooting games. There were other things that Nishikado wanted to add to his game that he believed were lacking in the majority of early arcade games. He wanted the enemies to react to the player and fire back at them, and have the player's game end when they were destroyed by the enemies rather than have it be completely based on a timer. While there were many concepts of what those enemies would be, Nishikado settled on aliens, due to the popularity of the anime Space Battleship Yamato and the recently released film Star Wars. The design would be simple bitmap images that were meant to look similar to Octopi, finding their inspiration in H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. As development progressed, it was discovered that the processor that was being used in the custom hardware wasn't powerful enough to get the desired results. The game couldn't be displayed in color, and adjusting the movement of the enemies was impossible. However, Nishikado discovered that the game would speed up as more aliens were removed by the player. He appreciated this unintended gameplay element, and instead of fixing it, kept the bug in as a key feature of the experience. While Nishikado wanted to call his game Space Monsters, higher-ups at Taito decided to change the name to Space Invaders. Taito would release the game to Japanese arcades on April 1st of 1978, with a North American invasion in November of that same year. The arcade machine would come in two variants. The first would be a large stand-up cabinet that would use a mirror to reflect a CRT to the player, and the other would be a sit-down cocktail machine called TT, or Tabletop, Space Invaders. The game was in black and white, but screens had color overlays in order to provide some sort of better presentation to the player. Color models would follow later. Initially, Space Invaders didn't have a lot of confidence from the entertainment industry, despite other developers at Taito loving it. Taito predicted poor sales, as the game would end quicker than the timer-based games, and more traditional arcade owners in Japan disregarded it outright. Pachinko parlors and bowling alleys, however, were keen to pick it up, and after a few months of being on the market, Space Invaders began to pick up steam. By the end of the year, some arcades were opening with nothing but Space Invaders machines, Taito would license the game to Midway for its international release, where it would become a smash hit as well. By the end of 1979, Taito had manufactured roughly 750,000 cabinets worldwide, with 400,000 of those units being in Japan alone. At its peak, Space Invaders was generating 2.6 billion yen, or 12 million United States dollars at the time, per day in Japan, 
with the U.S. seeing a gross profit of $1 billion for total revenue for 1979. Even by 1981, Space Invaders was earning $7.7 million per week in the United States, which was second only to the little-known game Pac-Man. By the end of its major run in 1982, it is estimated that Space Invaders grossed $3.8 billion, with Taito netting profits of over $500 million. In 1980, Space Invaders became the first officially licensed port of an arcade game to consoles for the Atari VCS, which, as we previously discussed, established that console as the dominant market force in video gaming. The legacy of Space Invaders is just too great to be covered in this already fairly long brief history. Many of the industry's most influential developers have credited it as one of the most important games ever developed, and as a source of inspiration for many of the largest and most important games in the early days of the industry. While it has received multiple sequels and remakes over the decades, nothing can compare to the impact that the game left on the trajectory of gaming media and culture as a whole. Games may have come a long way since, but there's no telling what or where we would be without it. And that is your brief history of Space Invaders. All right, thank you, Shane. I gotta say, going into this brief history, mm. I I don't think I realized the magnitude of which Space Invaders was. Yeah, I knew it was a big deal. I just didn't know it was that big of a deal yeah i mean that like this is that's massive yeah that 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 is some serious cash money essentially like we credit nintendo for reinvigorating i won't say we like the colloquial we the royal we. yes indeed the north american we credit nintendo as bringing the video game industry back from the ashes in 1983 and this of course happened in 1983 but I think a lot of the that key inspiration, especially when you look at the fact that Space Invaders was a Japanese developed game published by a Japanese company and where the market went after the North American crash happened. Where would video games be if Space Invaders didn't come out? I mean, I think that's a legitimate question, regardless of what we think about this game today and how it plays. And we'll get to that here in a moment. But like that's that's some serious numbers. I read somewhere I was doing the research like. The estimated daily amount of players that they had in Japan at its peak was 8 million players per day. That's insane. Mm -hmm. You don't even see those numbers on Steam. Yeah. I mean, I think the only the only thing that comes to mind, at least initially for me, that would even come close to that sort of like concurrent player base would be like World of Warcraft at its height. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Uh, it's probably the other thing is that there probably wasn't much out there for to really compete with that, that's to be considered. But yeah, wow, that's monumental. I don't know. I don't want to belabor the point too much. I mean, you heard about it. I highly recommend, highly, highly, highly recommend you go look up the history of Space Invaders here because, I mean, the brief history only covers so much. There's so much more to this and, and how much impact it did have. That's not why we're here. We're not a history show. We do give a brief history, but we're here more <laughs> to talk about the game. So 
I, I highly recommend that if you're interested in what Space Invaders did, if you weren't aware of how much impact it had in the industry, yeah, go look it up because it is it is amazing. Well, I think, and not to belabor it too much, but the other thing that I find fascinating about it, right, is that I guess sort of like the the <clears throat> I guess you could call like serendipitous nature of how it came about in that Nishikado never really intended to be a game developer or have anything to do with the game industry like at all mm. like when he when he graduated from university like he he didn't even he specialized in i think like television circuitry or something and had nothing to do with like you know the the nascent gaming industry at that time but he got the job at taito and then it sort of just kind of went from there but it's just it's it's interesting how like someone who had no idea they were going to go in this direction sort of ended up creating something that was this, you know, like monumental for the history of gaming. Yeah, I think that's also a common thread. If you look into the history of a lot of those early developers, I think, you know, Miyamoto had a similar story. Uematsu, Yuji Hori, Mm -hmm. a lot of those like really early Japanese developers, because that was something that was looked down on from what I understand. Like, you don't tell your parents in the early 1980s, late 1970s, especially in that culture, like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, my plan is to be a professional in this industry that has proven absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That probably doesn't go over too well, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like your kid coming up to you now and being like, what do you what do you want to be when you grow up? And your kid's like, I want to be a Twitch streamer. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) And then they do it. You're like, see, I told you I had confidence in you. That's right. Like, fuck I believed you. in you all along. You're not getting a dime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you got to say on this history here, Tiger? I just have to say that if we didn't have space invaders, then we would be able to see lines and balls in 4K. What? Because <laughs> <laughs> everything would be pong. <laughs> uh, that's the joke. Problem. Uh, uh. We would have a lot more pong. That's that's for sure. No, uh, yeah, yeah. great. At least, yeah. Just things bouncing on other things. Who doesn't like balls to the walls? Yeah, I, th- I think you just gave us the the subtitle for this episode: Space <laughs> yeah, Invaders, yeah. Balls in 4K. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that's all. That's what I had in my in my head the whole time. You're just thinking about balls, huh? Yes, yes, and lines, lines and balls. Yes, hard lines. So I guess this is a good time to talk about our personal experiences while we're talking about balls. And uh, Shane, how about you you kick this one off? What what's your personal experience here with the Space Invaders? Oh man, that, that's a kind of a tough one in that Space Invaders is one of those things that has just like always been <laughs> it's just it's it's always been there somewhere lurking in the peripheral. Like I don't I don't know. I don't have any like very specific personal like experiences or anything. Like obviously we are not of the age bracket to where this was, you know, this came out in our formative years or anything like that. So it's not like we can be like those people that are like, oh man, I was like nine years old when Space Invaders came out and I blew my fucking mind. Like to me, I was just like, I I was, I don't know, man, I was playing N64 and there, this came, this was like, I don't know, that thing that you saw in the corner of like the the local pizza joint or something. So it's it's kind of a weird one for me. Like I've I've tried to put a serious effort into Space Invaders, I think a number of times over the years, mostly just because I'm like, yeah, this is this is an important thing and I should 
I should play this. Like I need to, I need to say that I've played this. But other than that, it's usually just like one-off stuff. Like I'm pretty sure I had a copy of it for my Game Boy Color at one point, but that was one of those weird remakes they did too, where they tried to like, you know, jazz up Space Invaders with like new graphics and like game modes and things like that. I will say, I think the one, the, the, I think the biggest thing for me anyway, is this was one of those games that, that my dad played when he was younger. It was like this and mm. Centipede were like two of the big ones that he really enjoyed. So I guess I've got that as far as like a personal connection to it in that he never really played like a ton of video games or anything like that. Like he tried to play Super Mario Brothers with us when we got an NES and he had it. He had an A for effort, but <laughs> wasn't, wasn't exactly like his jam or anything. But these this era was like kind of his era. So this would be the thing that he'd be playing in, you know, like the pool halls or or whatever. So so I guess there's that. But, uh, but yeah, outside of that, there's uh, I don't know, not not a whole lot. It's just kind of been a thing that's just always always existed. I don't know. What about uh, let's I'm going to throw this over to I'm going to throw this over to Tiger. Tiger, what's what's your personal experience with the invaders from space? It's funny that like I, I'm also not that old. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but it my <laughs> my life was kind of sped through from the beginning to uh, what is current. So what I mean is when I was like three or four years old, I actually played Pong at my friend's house. Later on, and that's not very much later on, I'm talking like three or four, there was actually an Atari 2600 in our house. One of the games we had was Space Invaders. So I have a very like sort of memorable uh, time because I was four years old, so I don't remember too much. But like I I, I turned the game on a few days ago. Uh, Actually, there's like a website that actually has an Atari 2600 Space Invaders like playable, of course. So I just just listening to the sounds and like just moving the the space thing (laughs) the the ship back and forth and pushing the buttons i I ever like it just it kind of took me back to that time and uh, it just it's one of those games that was easy to just like sit there and just play Mm -hmm. all day when when all the games that you had were similar types of games they're all things where you can move something and maybe shoot or maybe jump and that was it or Pac-Man, you just moved up, down, left, right. Or there's also like, you know, other ship shooting games in other forms. But there was something about Space Invaders, and I, I know what that thing is, but I want to save it to later. That that made <laughs> that made it so that I wanted to play this game over and over and over again. I, I used to like shooting the what did I I don't know what the three things on the bottom. I guess they're like shields or rocks or whatever that you can shoot through. And I used to like shooting through them as a child because couldn't hit the monsters. I'll just shoot <laughs> anything that's in front of me. So I would like try <laughs> to I would try to clear the the little barriers out of the way. And I like, all right, now I'll shoot these monsters and then I'll die or whatever. Anywho, but like, yeah, that, that's like a very vivid, like strong memory for me when I was probably three or four years old. So, yeah, I actually had a copy in my home. Uh, so I was lucky, <laughs> lucky enough to have a personal experience with it. So on to Chris, but yeah, I, I think most of my memories with Space Invaders are probably on the Atari, at least my initial ones. I'm trying to think really hard if I've ever actually seen a real Space Invaders arcade cabinet out in the wild. 
I'm even trying to think back to the days that like arcade jacks that you hosted Tiger or over at GAM while GAM was still up and running. If they even had an authentic Space Invaders cabinet, I don't think they ever did. It's just one of those games. I, I'm sure it was all over the place, but I don't think I've actually seen it. So all of my experiences have been outside the arcades, which I think for people our age is somewhat common. I, I don't think that a lot of us played it in the arcade. That being said, much like Shane, it's just one of those games that has always been there. No, no matter who you are, if, if you play video games, you understand what Space Invaders is. You, you take a look at the alien invader, you know that's from the game Space Invaders. I, I would even argue that a lot of people who have never played Space Invaders knows exactly what Space Invaders is. Mm-hmm. But I, I did play it a lot. You know, the friends up in Sun Prairie that I go to for New Year's, they had an Atari. We play a lot of Space Invaders there. Uh, my friend, my neighbor who had an Atari, we play some Space Invaders at his house. And just over the years, somehow I'd find myself playing Space Invaders like from time to time, not often. But also, if I did see it in an arcade, I think th- here's the other part. If I ever did see it in the arcade, you know, with, with my age, like by the times by the time I was able to go to arcades and understand what the video game is, you know, am I playing Space Invaders if I do see it, or am I playing, you know, Mortal Kombat 2? Or am I playing, you know, Super Street Fighter 2 or whatever else is in the arcade, like a light gun game? Am I playing that? Like, am I playing Terminator 2? Uh, a lot of twos. But yeah, one of those things that I, I'm sure was, you know, a, a monumental deal as we already went over, but you know, it's just, it came out like seven years before I was born. So there's, there's not a lot of wiggle room for me to actually enjoy an authentic experience. I can only enjoy what was replicated. But what I did play, I mean, it's it's a simple enough concept that pretty much anyone can understand and, and relate to, especially if you play video games, especially the arcades. But you might not understand the magnitude of it as much like I didn't. And I, I already stated in the brief history, I didn't get it as that big of a deal, but... I'll touch more on that in the gameplay because we have to talk about what I'm sure to be the (laughs) riveting experience here. That is the plot and writing for Space Invaders. (gasps) Shane, exactly. What is that? Man, why you got to throw it to me for this? I don't. (laughs) The, 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 The aliens what be invading from space and we got to defend Earth. That's yes. That there you go. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you actually as you're because i had a feeling you were gonna throw me under the fucking bus on this so i was trying to <laughs> quickly look this up to see if there is actually like a story that i've just never paid attention to and i feel like this is probably something that um you know if we were professionals uh, i would have done beforehand but you know <laughs> i can only do the story that the game gives me yeah well well yeah also, in looking this stuff up earlier today, I uh, realized that there are a lot of other things called Space Invaders besides this <laughs> game, which is interesting. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. Uh, the plot. Wait, is there even a plot? There isn't. So, <laughs> the Wikipedia entry for Space Invaders does not have a plot section, if that gives you any indication. <laughs> the invaders, they are coming from space and you must kill them. They, I sure, mean- they sure are. I kind of got something from it. Oh, oh, what's oh? Yeah, please indulge us. It's it's a story about oh, (laughs) it's a story about stress and procrastination. Ah, yes, 
See, mm. the longer you take to, to do the thing that you have to do when there's a due date, the, the more it creeps on you. And as it creeps on you, you, you start to feel a little, you know, anxious. You feel some anxiety. And in order, no to, likes a creeper. in order to make that anxiety go away, you have to face your enemy in the eye and, and you have to do the thing to do the thing that you're, you're holding off. Mm. So it, 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 the more you do the thing, it, 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 the deadline could get a little closer and closer and it, it, it causes more anxiety. So you have to keep doing the thing. And, and, and the, <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting at, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, <laughs> it's about stress and procrastination. And the longer it takes for you to do the thing, the harder it is to shoot the bitch before it kills you. You know what I'm saying? There it is. <laughs> so that's, How did I miss that? That's I what I, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you I just got to look a little know. deeper. <laughs> I like that you had to like go full Denzel Washington at the end of that <laughs> to like really make the point, you know, like shoot full training day. Just like, you know, I just what I'm trying to say is you got to shoot a bitch. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, but was that was that it? N- no. OK, cool. All right. Darn. You should see Training Day has a better plot in Space Invaders. No, but tr- Training Day is a fucking fantastic movie. Fantastic. Noted. But yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, okay, plot hole. Here we go. So <laughs> why, why, why is it that all of the like cabinet art and, and marketing material and whatnot for Space Invaders has this like sort of swamp thing slash Sasquatch looking ass creature descending from space like it's about There's to bitch slap you, but like none of the enemies look like that what what is that so the theory on that is that the artist for the arcade cabinet got the initial name for the game which was space monsters before it was turned down oh yeah now it all makes sense there it is okay it's a space space monster i mean i knew that ufo was holding something we just never got to see it Mm. it's a probe i mean just probably yeah yeah Cool. So that's the story Pro for your wallet. You know, what's funny about this is like every time give me the quarters, I, I feel like every time we, we go back and cover one of these like much, much older titles or something like that, that people always ask us about. They're like, hey, oh, you're a retro show. Have you talked about fucking Pong? And like, <laughs> we're like, no, I mean, we will probably at some point. Maybe but like every time we go back to one of these, it's always the same thing. Like, we're just like. I don't know. This, this was before our time. I mean, we were playing cooler shit, but I mean, I guess this was important. Like, I, I feel like that's the take that they didn't want. I was not playing cooler shit when this game came out. I was swimming in my father's balls. That's what I was doing. I mean, that sounds pretty intense. <laughs> I, I can't remember, but you're playing knows. Space Invaders in, in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> if you die in the game, you die for real. How else did I make it? I mean, how you're one out of like several million that make it to like the the egg. So that's kind of like a space invaders thing. Like you got to survive the original esport. Exactly. Well, it's not even esports. It's, it's like extreme. Oh, extreme. Oh my sport. god. This this reminds me. This is also how I know we ne- we whenever we don't have a lot to talk about about the game du jour, we always just go off on these yeah. fucking tangents. But of course we do. This just reminded me that uh, on this family trip thing that we did this past couple of weeks, we played Scattergories a couple of times, which, by the way, one of my favorite board games 
ever. And somebody was trying to justify writing down eSport. I don't even remember what the category was now, but like it made zero sense. And I had to sit there and define what eSports was to (laughs) someone. And I got really invested (laughs) in like defending why they were wrong about the thing not being an (laughs) eSport. Anyway, there you go. You had to be there. Yeah. Moving on from that tangent of a tangent, <laughs> I guess it is time to talk about what's probably going to get the most amount of talk here, which is mm. what usually gets the most amount of talk is the gameplay. I guess I will start this one out here, which is if you if you don't know, and I'd be very shocked if you did not, dear listener, because I know you are very intelligent. You know, what Space Invaders is. But in the rare occasion that you have just not been educated in the fact uh, you are a little ship that looks like a nipple. Mm. You are a breast if you really want to get down to the description of it. And you're squirting milk at the Space Invaders. Uh, every time you press a button, a little shot goes out and they are moving down from left to right. And they go from one end of the screen to the other end of the screen. And every time you shoot, one of them dies. It's it's a shmup, for lack of a better term. Uh, in fact, it's considered by many to be the first shmup. And uh, they fire back at you. And it is balls hard. There's a lot of different tactics you can use, so I'm going to be curious as to what your tactics were and how to make it through the levels. My tactics, personally, were to try and knock out one column of aliens and then try to knock out a bunch at the bottom and then move on to another column just so that I have more time to move back and forth. I think that's probably pretty common. But what are your two experiences on playing this game? I'll I'll start with you, Tiger. You know, what? All right. What's your take here? So, like, when I was a kid, it was definitely whatever I hit, Lucky me, but <laughs> that's me now. I would, <laughs> I would say, uh, I did also like when I developed a strategy. I also used the column method, but I did find myself recently revisiting the game, seeing myself being more of a perfectionist. I wanted to get the bottom row first because if I didn't, they would get rid of my barriers. So the bottom row has to go first, then the next row, then the next row. And if I got some extra ones on the way up, uh, lucky me, I guess. But like it, it, it became more of an organized perfectionist game versus like, like just just kill them all, which actually made it seem a little more well fun for me because it made it more challenging, I guess. And it, it felt that much better when you were actually trying to time the hit and may i say this is just like one of the first games where you actually like timing really mattered i you know timing kind of matters in pong but not really like <laughs> like it, it didn't feel as precise but like when you're shooting a vertical and the enemy is going horizontal especially in the last few enemies left you really have to time it perfectly so it, like the precision of your shot really mattered and when you did hit it it felt really good that's like one of the reasons why i just that small thing keeps me coming back to this type of game so mm-hmm. that's what i got how about you shane see that that is interesting because i have the complete opposite take in that the intentional delay between being able to fire shots is the reason i hate this game <laughs> 
it's it's so infuriating. Like, I, and I and I always forget about it. And I think it's again, it's it's because you know you're you're going back to this game after having played other things. It's not really the game's fault. It's more of just a circumstance, or a, really more than anything. But like, I'm used to playing shooters where if you can press the button fast, you pew pew fast. That is not a thing in Space Invaders. It's like, nah, you will shoot when we fucking let you shoot. And that is it. And having to have that like forced delay between shots and having to line those up is just, I do not like the mechanic at all. It feels terrible to me. And that's part of the reason why I always bounce off this game after like two minutes. So, yeah. I will say that, and I mean, this, it's kind of hard not to talk about it because, you know, they are sort of intertwined with one another, but everybody knows at this point, it's like one of those well-known little tidbits about video games that, you know, as we said in the brief history, the enemies getting faster was an unintentional bug, but you just liked it and kept it. That was a smart choice. I will say that I think this game probably caused like clinical anxiety for an entire generation of people (laughs) because those things moving faster like ever faster as you killed more of them and with the sound effects being tied to that same like processor cycle so it just keeps going faster and faster and faster it's what i imagine the personification of anxiety is like i i don't have anxiety so i can't speak to that but i i would imagine that if you could put that into actual like sound, that has to be what it is. See, he knew the plot. Mm. He knew the whole time. <laughs> there it is. The entire time. That's that's storytelling. That's storytelling in gaming. Yeah, there right you there. go. Yeah. It's making you feel something. Actually, I think that's that's the strength of the game. I actually like like you said, it's wise decision. I like that mechanic. Yeah. I like the little bit of tension. I think the shots move fast enough in order to not be too distracting because you do have to wait for your shot to land. And that's, that's kind of to make sure you know that that kind of inhibits it a little bit. Like I don't, I really don't have an issue with the rate of fire just because of how the game is designed. It's not like your traditional shmup. I actually noticed a lot more in later Namco shooters like Galaxian and Galaga. And I think Galaga is a far better game. Galaxian, you know, it can kind of take a seat. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of that one, but you know, space invaders, the gameplay cycle, I went into this and thinking that I was going to have a very bad time. I was thinking it was be extremely archaic, but it has an addictive nature to it that, yeah, after 10 minutes, I was I was like I had my fill and I was I was done with it, but I still had fun. I still enjoyed myself and it's hard for me to like really come down on it with, with the way it was designed because it is simple and like a lot of these a lot of these mechanics that are in, inherently part of it are happy accidents like they weren't intended to happen but as tiger said that precision that you had to have especially as the enemy count got lower and lower i can see where the the birth of shmups happened as a fan of a, like a casual fan of shmups i can really appreciate what it was doing especially with this difficulty and and how you would have to dodge the shots and how they would you know hone in on you and they would get faster and faster as the stage progressed like there's a there's a lot of strategy you have to implement here that i think is really understated when when people go back to it today people are very cognizant probably of it back then Mm -hmm. but i think that's just something that we've lost sight of 
uh, as gamers when it comes to this. And for obvious reasons, like I can't like say, ah, bad gamer. You didn't know Space Invaders was good. But there are <laughs> things about Space Invaders. I can understand why it was very addictive at that time and how it really set itself out from other games and why people be hooked on it. Because what like its simplicity is is a strong suit. And that's what's going to draw you in and keep you playing for a little bit, especially when you're chasing a high score. If you and your buddies, if you have a circle of people who are playing this game, why why you want to constantly compete with each other so you can get the furthest. But aside from that, yeah, I mean, after 10, 15 minutes, I was like, I don't ever need to play this game again. I got everything I could out of it. I'm done for for a while. Yeah, I I guess I don't know. I guess I find it interesting that that's. I think it illustrates, you know, just sort of the uh, the the difference in how people approach games, because it sounds like both of you are kind of on the same page in that the the thing or at least part of the thing that really hooks both of you into, you know, playing this game and trying for one more run or whatever is the same exact thing that makes me just bounce off this game completely. The way I see it is kind of like like taking what you have in front of you and trying to make the best of it. Mm. And one of the things I kind of wanted to emphasize is part of the precision. It's like when you're like playing basketball and you shoot a hoop, you're like, yeah, I can shoot it. But watch me shoot it from way over there. And then you shoot it from way over there and you make it and, you know, everyone goes wild. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of like how I felt whenever I would like precisely hit. The one that I was trying to hit. And that's the kind of so it's like I created a game within the game before there were achievements and trophies and stuff like that. So like that's what made it that much better for me. And I feel like that was kind of like something that future developers could aim for. Like, how can I give the player this kind of precision reward? And it's simple of a game. This is that's kind of like what I did with a lot of games. And that's what made things better for me. Totally. Yeah. But then again, you have people like my wife who, you know, what's motivation? So. (laughs) (laughs) So Jesus. You know, they just live life. I I don't know how to respond to that (laughs) one. (laughs) Fortunately, I don't have to. I had to probably do that in the previous week's episodes, but not that one. (laughs) Sorry, I love you, honey. (laughs) Like you're about to say, sorry, wife. (laughs) Sorry, wife. (laughs) She has a name, Lindsay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Since things may not be looking good for you at the moment, <laughs> let's talk about how things do look in the game with the, the game's graphics and maybe how those have held up. Ooh. Uh, Shane, what do you what do you think of this game's graphics? I what what do I say here that like <laughs> you just you're purposefully just like tossing me these, aren't you? I'm going to come out of this episode and everyone's going to be like, oh, he's, he's not a real gamer. He's shitting on Space Invaders. Yeah. I, I mean, sure. I mean, OK, so at the time, this was definitely something that was largely unprecedented. Right. And it kind of comes with it, it's sort of half and half. It's half sort of a, almost a gameplay element, but it's also the graphics in that, you know, there were some things that really had never been seen before that Space Invaders was doing. It was part of the reason why it was so popular. I mean, the four sort of defensive barriers that you have at the bottom of the screen, those slowly dissolving as they took fire from the enemy aliens, 
it sounds stupidly simple now, but that was something that had never happened before. So that was like a huge deal. So that graphical representation of like your defenses slowly being eroded by these enemies was a, a complete revelation. So, you know, looking at it from that perspective, you know, I think it was incredibly important and you can't underestimate simple design, even in even in terms of, you know, like the 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 graphics. There's a reason that the Space Invaders enemies are so recognizable by, as Chris mentioned earlier, even people that have maybe never even set hands on a Space Invaders cabinet or sat down with one of the many re-releases of it on some other home console, but they know what that is because those designs are just now so iconic in their simplicity. And so I guess that's kind of a long way of saying that, you know, obviously this is a game from like 1978. So there's not a ton to say about the graphical presentation. Like it's monochrome, but with, you know, a color overlay, or if you had a, a, a you know, a, a later release cabinet, you had, I think three, three colors. Yeah. You had like white for the, for the enemies, green for your little ship, your, your nip, your, your ship nip, the nipple and the barriers <laughs> and then red for the UFO that would come across the top of the screen occasionally. And that was pretty much it. But at the time, this was an unprecedented thing. It's kind of hard to knock it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It looks better in Bubsy 3D. <laughs> Damn. As everything does. It's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's aged better than the the early 3D era of the, you know, the Saturn and the PS1. I think that's for damn sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's timeless. Yeah. Really. I it mean, is. it's it, it is so simple that you could never change anything about it and it would still it would still be fine. It would still be exactly what you would expect. Yeah. Your ship does look like a boob, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I can't unsee that now. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, that should put a smile on your face. You know, it's it, all good. It kind of does a little bit. Yeah. Does that mean we have to blur it if we play it on Twitch now? <laughs> uh, I don't <laughs> just say it's a fat man's boob. Oh, then it's fine. Yes. There we go. Okay. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Shane <laughs> while we're talking about the, the difference in nipples here. It's a simple game. It's It's extremely basic. This is what people imagined all video games looking like at least adults back in when we were growing up in the 90s it's iconic for a reason people will look at this forever and like shane said because of the simplicity and it doesn't really age as again everything shane said i'm just gonna say again it's timeless i'm just gonna keep that short there and just say tiger anything to add here this reminds me of the time when we jumped from 8-bit to 16-bit it was Mm, such a dramatic change you had two lines in one ball Two multiple lines. You like balls. And two more balls. Yeah. The balls were the barriers. The the power. The power of balls. The Intel 8080 with multi-chip barrel shifter circuit to achieve smoother animation. I listened to the history earlier. Yes. <laughs> it was very noticeable. <laughs> I was trying to go for something there. The main thing that I really get from the graphics is that especially during the during a time back then was that the characters that they made became something that was i guess you said timeless and that's kind of what i'm going for is like that made such an impact on uh, gaming that you're able to see that logo or see that character that was created in the game and know that's for space invaders that was that was 
Hold on. That was... What was it? You tell me. That was all because of the graphics. There it is. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's simple. It moves good. And you shoot things and it goes poom. So, yeah, it's great. Graphics are great. <laughs> you know, it's a fucking 70s game. There's not really much to say about it, right? <laughs> it was the beginning. It, it was better than Pong. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 It's a step up from two sticks and a ball. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Two sticks, one ball. Yeah, that's all I have on my mind. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that ball. Oh, it takes balls to talk about the sound in this game, though. I'll stay with you, Tiger. There we go. Because <laughs> oh, no. we, we want the balls. So tell us about the balls and the sound with the balls and the lines. Well, yeah, the lines. Even though there's no uh, balls I don't think in the balls. Game. Well, I, I consider the barriers at the balls. So, okay. um, you know, they're just stationary. Uh, they don't make very much noise, though. They do get in the way. But the sound was very impactful. It created a sense of urgency, which was already said earlier. Mm. As you kill the enemies, it gets faster and faster and makes you want to. It reminds me of like when, when there's a roach in your house. <laughs> and what kind you of have, roach? It doesn't matter. What, oh, I see. Uh, uh, one that crawls. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes. When the last monster is on the screen, it's moving as it is. It's almost like a roach. It's like that a person that goes, ah, kill it, kill it. You know, that's that's kind of how it feels when you're playing Space Invaders. Because of the sound, that's part of it for sure. It creates anxiety. That's the word I was using earlier. I think it does its job very well. And it's memorable because I absolutely remembered it when I turned it back on a few days ago, like I said earlier. Yeah. All right, Shane, how about you? Yeah, I mean, all told, I think this game has... Let's see, probably what four sound effects <laughs> total. Yeah, it does. There's the your ship firing, uh, an impact, the movement of the of the enemies, and then the the UFO going across the top of the screen. I think that's it, right? Pretty much. Of those, I mean, we kind of already <laughs> talked about the 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 enemy movement, right? And how that was that sort of happy accident. And I think that really does nail that, like growing sense of urgency so i think that really hit the mark the the ufo is it's whatever that's fine the little thing across the screen it's cool however i actually and i'm not just doing this like for the beam or trying to like grasp for time here i legitimately dislike the laser sound effects no yeah yeah yeah. same i feel the same bad like and i know we didn't have a lot to work with here but my God, is it like grating? I just, I, I absolutely despise <laughs> that laser sound. <sighs> yeah, I guess there's not much here, is there? No, no, there's not. Oh, there's not much here. It's kind of the point. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I was looking over the, the Wikipedia article for this, this game. And they go into this thing about the music and how the enemies moving are a repeating cycle of four notes and how they're in D minor and how it inspired music. <laughs> Look, I'm not buying any of that shit. I'm not. But it's true. <laughs> it might be true. That sounds like a university student trying to just like pad out a paper. It does. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it did inspire people to make great music for video games later on. I don't know how. I don't know how it's justified that the enemy's moving uh, with the repeating same four quote notes over and over again 
is game music. But if you believe that or if you were a developer during that time and that was what you considered to be music, what do I know? I'm not going to say you're wrong. Go for it. Uh, But yeah, there's not a lot here. This is basic video game sound like games didn't really have sound. I know we are doing a 30 day music challenge, which we're doing in our in our discord right now. But I was doing it in another discord. And one of it was uh, one of the topics is play a song from the from the year you were born. And someone said, well, I was born in 1982. I don't know what. And like you have to think 1982 is four years after. And it was a struggle finding music in games from 1982. Mm hmm. So I think the one that I found was like Dig Dug, and that only plays when you move. And that's actually a tune. There's no music here. It's helpful that you do have sound. I don't want to like bash it. That's the one thing I don't want to do. And you're probably right about the laser. I don't notice it too much. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. But the thing is, like, I don't want to bash it here just because like what was there? There wasn't like much of anything, really. Like Pong was one sound effect, like Pong, 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 back and forth. This is it it did more than just you know, one sound effect. It was doing something. He's saying that he doesn't want to slap a baby. Exactly. That's what I, he's wanna, <laughs> I do not want to slap a baby. It's very inappropriate. But the same point I have to just point out. Yeah, this is this is the video game. It's better. It's this is video game sounds that were stereotypical for video games for a very long time. The one thing I can say is that it's better than playing it on a Tiger LCD. But many things are. So there's that. It's just. Look, it exists. The sound is there. It doesn't drive me crazy. I do like the fact that it does have that sound that loops. I'll just call it music now because apparently that's what it is. Uh, (laughs) So it has that music that loops and speeds up. So it gives you tension or whatever. But it does give you tension. I do like that. Uh, It does add to what is going on in the screen. And that is really cool. But other than that, yeah, the sound sounds fine. It's it's an early game. They they did everything I think they could for 1978. And you're not going to hear me say, yeah, oh, my God, it's fantastic. But I'm also not going to bash it because I think that's that's just like being dumb. I got something. Go Shane. Shane, what's your mm-hmm. top four sounds in Space Invaders? <laughs> uh, let's see. Starting at the bottom of the list. Number four. Yes. I'm going to go with the fucking laser. Yes. Yep. Let's see. Number three. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, there's so many to choose from. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I think I'm gonna have to go with the impact sound. Okay. There it is. Uh, number two. The UFO. I was pausing for All dramatic right. effect. Oh yeah. Which means number one is the enemies. Yay! There it yeah, is. But, um, what about um, you, Chris? Um, that's um, a flight episode right there. Uh, that's uh, just repeat. Just repeat. Oh no! Well, I gotta, I gotta say, like, I really don't like that UFO sound. So that'd be my three. Oh, and and I like the feeling of the popping of the enemy. So that would be my one. So that's that's what I'm saying. Okay. And with with the bop boop, bop boop, bop boop at number two, (laughs) which I would like to say the the upbeat of the bop boop is like is it uh, like suspense, and then the downbeat is the okay everything's cool, but it's that over and over again, which is why there's anxiety. I agree. So that's all I have to say (laughs) about the sound. All right. Now that we're wrapped up with all our major topics, we do have some fun facts slash miscellaneous for you from Shane. So, Shane, what do you have for us today? Yeah, I mean, there's there's actually quite a bit, as Chris mentioned before, in the history of space invaders. And I'm we're not going to touch on all of it here, but there were some you know, interesting tidbits that I wanted to point out that we didn't 
necessarily like weave into the brief history. One of which being that uh, Nishikado, the creator of the game, was actually anonymous for a very, very long time. And part of that was sort of a forced anonymity. So he never really became like a celebrity as a result of Space Invaders being this big phenomenon. His name was never put on the game. And for quite a long time, he was actually just contractually obligated to not reveal that he had even made the game. According to The New Yorker, they had reported in talking with him that uh, he had been promoted within the company. And this was more or less right after the success of Space Invaders. And that took him away from really creating games kind of ever again. He quoted as saying that he spent most of his time managing other employees. So he kind of got promoted up the chain and never really got hands on again, which, you know, maybe a little bit of a disappointment. And then apart from that, one that I just found kind of amusing was that the success of Space Invaders also kind of sparked a bit of a minor moral panic because, you know, anything of course it did yeah anything that successful i guess will get some sort of backlash and space invaders was no different it influenced satan to start DD. yeah exactly now while the common tale of coin shortages in japan being a myth that was really just one of the stories that was kind of attached to space invaders when it was at its height of popularity but soon after the game came out in arcades a 12 year old boy in japan Uh, armed himself with a shotgun and tried to relieve a bank of all of its coins so that he could play more Space Invaders. Jesus. And this kind of sparked a moral panic that ended up spreading to the UK, where Space Invaders was blamed for an increase in burglaries. And in 1981, the Labour MP at the time, uh, George Folks, put a bill through the Parliament called Control of Space Invaders parentheses and other electronic games because you have to you have to make make that clear yeah yeah specifically yeah but i i i was never aware of that story about the 12 year old just rolling up into a bank with a shotgun that was a thing that happened i guess so that that was that was interesting yeah and then i guess other than that the the only other thing that i kind of had on our little um miscellaneous list before we jump into our uh, patron pontifications was that the earlier versions of the game were were much, much different than what we ended up with. So when Nishikado sort of began devising his dynamic shooting game, he initially had the player sort of hunkered down at the bottom of the screen with armies of enemies slowly advancing from the top, which you would be like, well, that's what fucking Space Invaders is. And I'd be like, yes, you're correct. However, the initial idea was actually to have the player shooting down things like planes and tanks and human soldiers but this was largely rejected by his higher-ups at taito who didn't want the game to feature anything that they referred to as the image of war and so this is kind of what led nishikado to take more inspiration from a space setting particularly once the news of star wars popularity began to reach japan and so with that And then a little sprinkling of some inspiration from the aquatic alien invaders from War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. That's where he ended up getting, you know, his little his little octopi dudes. So just some interesting facts there. But uh, but that's what I got. All right. Awesome. I remember looking over that 
when I was doing some research, but I'm glad you brought that up because those are some cool facts. Yeah. But time to get into our Patreon pontifications. If you would like to have your thoughts right on the show, all you got to do is two things. One, join our Patreon at any tier. You can join for as little as $1 per month. That's step one. Step two, join our Discord. Mm. And you will see an area called Patreon Pontifications. I guess this is a three-step process. I lied. It's three, not two. Uh, <laughs> so the step three is post your thoughts about an upcoming game. We will have a date that we have a due date of what your thoughts can be. And then you just post about whatever game is coming up. So in actuality, you kind of get a preview of what episode is coming up next or mainline episodes. So there's that as well. For our first Patreon pontification, we have... Oh, this is a first? No, the first one I'm going to read. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man. Yeah. Yes. No. Uh, we've had... This is the third episode. Oh, okay. We have Randall, and his pontification is... Swiftly shooting stellar spaceships scatter sparkling smiles and splendid scores in Space Invaders' splendid spectacle. Thank you, Randall. All right, Shane. All right, next up we have the one and only Dischimera from Game Over Hell on YouTube. And he says, There are classics that are timeless, and there are classics like Space Invaders. A lot of respect for how it inspired the generation that would ultimately pick up the slack from the American game crash. But man, is the shooting mechanic annoying. Ah, see, we are, we are kindred spirits, Dischimera. There you go. You have a friend in him. So the next one is from Soha. Kind of hard for me to say much from a game that is old enough to be my father, but upon having to look this information up, I have realized it's a Japanese game, and I never knew that, LMAO. That said, it's okay. I never played it much, but it's as classic as you can be. That is true. Next up on the list, we've got Keith Gasper from the Main Quest podcast, and he says, Space Invaders is what my parents still think video games are. <laughs> that's probably that's pretty accurate actually probably true tell them the ship's a boob and now you can say your parents are into hentai games mm, boomer hentai there it is next is from ozzy and ozzy says space invaders is a relic an important one but a relic <laughs> ozzy runs our <laughs> review crew over in our discord he may have a point here but uh, we'll see what we say when it comes to holding up today all right, then we have Ray Ray the Peg Knight. He says, It wasn't the arcade version, but Space Invaders was the first game I really got good at. I flipped the score. This game pretty much set the tone for the rest of my life, as in Space Invaders is one of the reasons why I've been gaming my whole life. Yeah, I wish it was that good. I wish I could flip the score because this game's fucking hard. I was, I was say I don't even, I don't even know what that means. That's why he crushes everyone in these high score challenges. I know, right? Makes sense now. Him and Omi. All right, next is from Mast Keaton, and Mast Keaton says, "My thoughts on Space Invaders are, I love that episode of Futurama that has the Space Invaders parody. Great. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Next up, we've got. Uh, actually, let me see. Is this the last one? It is the last one. So last on our list for today, Parallax Puddles, and he says." I just gave the Space Invaders cart to my son and fired it up for him. He played for one life cycle and asked, is that it? Is, is that the only game? <laughs> this game is simple, yes, 
However, there is no game like Space Invaders in terms of replayability and tension. Competing against your friends is a never-ending high-score battle was always a highlight of my day, and when that game speed cranks up, it is surely more scary than your first encounter with a guardian, including the piano music. For sure. All right, is the guardian, is that from Zelda? Yes. Okay. I have to make sure. There goes my gamer cred, whatever was left of it. Well, thank you, patrons. I do appreciate all of you contributing through our patron pontifications, which is a great name, Shane. I'm glad you thought of that. Fantastic. You're welcome. But now we're going to talk about whether or not this game holds up today. And as is tradition, myself and Shane are going to go first before letting the guest get the final word. And I am going to kick this one off. And I'm going to say no. but with a caveat you do owe it to yourself to play this game it's not bad it's it's fun but as i said earlier it's it's good for a good 10 15 minutes but after that's done you're done i almost can guarantee that if you can make it to that 10 15 minute mark i have all the respect for this game in the world this game is fundamentally important to gaming as we know it today especially it appears to the japanese gaming industry but as ozzy said this is this game's a relic it's it's very much of its time and it does have a arcade experience yes like there is something to be had if you're competing against your friends with a high score as parallax pedal said in his pontification it's all there but if you're asking me to play space invaders when i have options like galaga right there there's no question i'm going to take galaga which came out only a few years later i don't want to poo poo on space invaders and that's why i say there's a caveat why i say no uh because yes there is some enjoyment in it but let's let's be real this game was made when games are still being formed and that's fine but there are definitely better options that came out right around this time period that i would highly recommend over this one Definitely play it. Definitely check it out. You might get some fun out of it, but ultimately you're going to pass this up for something else rather quickly. Shane. Uh, man. Okay. I, I feel like I have like two takes on this one being, if I'm answering the question, does the game itself hold up today in that? Can you sit down and play it and still enjoy it? Yes, it does. It's it is the ultimate pick up and play for a few minutes game. Or if I mean, if you get real involved with it, that basically never ending loop, you could play this for hours if you're really just really that into Space Invaders, which, of course, back in the day, people did. They held up banks for quarters. So there you go. (laughs) If you were asking me, like. Is this something I'm going to choose to play? when presented with other options that are similar 100% no <laughs> there are so many better alternatives um that i i would never and have generally never chosen to play space invaders it's more of like it's like a novelty now really more than anything like if i yeah see it in a game collection or you know, on the off chance that you see a, not a, probably not a legit cabinet, because even though there were a ton of them at the time, I think Chris was right in that I might have seen one actual legit Space Invaders cab, I think, in my life. 
The rest of them have been like, you know, basically emulation machines inside of a cabinet. So like if you see that, like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll play a round or two of Space Invaders and then remember I'm terrible at it and go play something else. So in that context, no. But if we're strictly saying like, can you still have a good time with this game, even if for only a few minutes, then then yes. I know that's kind of like a wishy-washy answer, but it's really hard to like make that distinction, at least for me, with something that is this dated. But I do still think that for the most part, the core mechanics do tend to hold up, assuming you're not like me and really don't like the the laser firing. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you, Tiger? No. It's too old. <laughs> Let go. It's over. Nobody listen to techno. That's what <laughs> There you go. It's it's no, like, yeah, like I had my time and I have my nostalgia. It's it's just too simple like and i guess if if i were to say to play something then you could no no i don't even want to say that i was going to like recommend playing the newer versions there's like a current version on the switch called space invaders invincible collection you know they take the same concept and then make mini games out of it but i wouldn't even recommend that like (laughs) there are way too many better games to play and and i'd even say to just do Galaga because it's a better game and it will give you the same oh, crap. It won't give you the same feel. <laughs> OK, well, I, I can agree on the fact that if you can play the game to at least understand the power of the sound effects, that how much that two notes can and, and, the, and the speeding up of said notes can have on your anxiety. Uh, I guess you also have to care, but uh, you should care because you want to, you know, complete the game as intended. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, though, I I tried so hard to just go to a solid no. And obviously I couldn't. (laughs) So all all three of us was kind of like an "Ah, but no. So (laughs) that's kind of how I feel there. I will say if you play any of the Space Invaders games that were like released well after it, like in the 90s and 2000s like space invaders extreme 2 at least that game is amazing the the iterations taito has done to the space invaders formula well after the fact have been some really good games so if if you have the opportunity to check those out you should but the original not so much (laughs) well i suppose on that note i just feel like we just disappointed like a whole lot of boomers i don't know like we'll we'll see how that goes but We routinely do because we are millennials. That's true. Yeah. At any rate, that does bring our discussion of Space Invaders to a close. And so, uh, you know, first and foremost, we always want to thank. uh, I mean, I think I feel like he's less of a guest and more of just our like third member at this point. But you know what? Um, I still always appreciate having you here, Tiger. So thanks for jumping in on this one with us today. Of course. I was happy to be here and looking forward to the next. All right. And is there I, I remember from last time I asked this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there is there anything going on in, in your world that you want to throw out there to the people? Anything you want to plug? Lines and balls. Fantastic. Sweet. That's all I got. Well, as far as we are concerned, if you are listening to this, then you have successfully stumbled upon us. Man, remember stumble upon? That was that was like two, <laughs> 2006 <laughs> no. or Man, something. That's all. Uh, Keep it there. Keep it there. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, you found us. So, hey, 
uh, welcome, or we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have not had a chance, we would highly recommend for 100% not self-interested reasons to go and listen to our backlog because uh, we are now over 200 pieces of content released to this feed, to this Jeez. show. Which is, yeah, which is Gwen Stefani, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. So there's a lot of content for you to check out, and we make all of that easily available at our link tree. So just head over to linktree slash retro hangover. That is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. And you'll find the show as well as our merch store and our Patreon. If you would like to support the show in that fashion, we also have our socials as well as our YouTube channel uh, where we post video versions of all of these episodes, as well as the VODs that we remember to export from Twitch. Mm. Speaking of which, uh, Chris, you've been kind of holding down the fort over there the last few weeks while I've been away. So uh, what's wh- what do we do over at the Twitch TV? Well, if you head on over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, you can see us play video games at Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So come on by, hang out with us. We have fantastic conversations while I either get mad at video games or Shane gets scared by them. It's one <laughs> of the two. So just head over once again to twitch.tv slash retro hangover. We're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great time. And if you don't, well, fuck you. So twitch.tv slash retro hangover. We hope to see you there at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday nights. Back to you, Shane. I think that might have been the most aggressive Twitch TV plug we've ever had. All love and peace. Unless you don't like us, then fuck you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Well, I suppose with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your burp, 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 burp joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part, no added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.